All right, folks, welcome back to another episode of one of my personal favorite paranormal podcasts going. Um, you know, I know Ray is a big fan of it, too. And, Ray, you don't even really listen to that much podcast, do you? Uh, nope, just just the good stuff here at uh, Boombastic Media. Absolutely. Good man. Good man. That's what I like to hear. So, uh, you know, today in the Mostly Ghostly Show, which, you know, welcome back, everybody. It's always a pleasure to be uh, in your eardrums, you know what I mean? Uh, we're going to return to a theme that we know people kind of dig at the old, mostly ghostly, uh, when they're in, digging in the archives of things to watch. And how do we know that? We see them numbers, you know what I mean? And uh, one of those things happens to be the haunting episodes, you know? We just recently did a, the haunting at Rhode Island hauntings and rolled through a few of the most famous hauntings that happen over there, you know, close to us. So we're branching out a little bit more this evening. Where are we going this evening, Ray? We're going to bop on down to Connecticut. We're going to bop, bop, bop. I like that. I, I definitely vibe with that. CT, you know, home of CT Horror Fest. You know what I mean? Also home to a lot of things that go bump in the night. You know what I mean? Some creepy stuff. Uh, we were talking briefly real quick before the show about, uh, the haunting in Connecticut movie early two thousands. I believe it came out. Uh, I remember it being very good a good time. You know, there was a, uh, I recall like a crazy, like a, they, the, 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 the spare comes out of a kid. It's, uh, I remember it being a cool effect at the time. And it's almost like, it's kind of like uh green mile when, uh, the butter, what well, the butterfly, not the butterflies, the flies come out of the dude's mouth. You know what I mean? Is that the Green Mile? Yeah, that's the Green Mile. Well, I saw the haunting Duncan. in Connecticut, and I don't remember a lot of the details. Yeah. I do remember sitting there going, whoa, this is creepy. I like it. And, it was, <laughs> and that, that, that was it. That what, what I remember is just sitting there going, oh, yeah, this is creepy. I lo- oh, this is good. <laughs> yeah. I remember it being pretty good. Like, for, for the horror at the time, it was like one of those shining stars of horror. It, it got at least one sequel, maybe even a, a third sequel, but it was a pretty successful deal for uh, for its time. But, folks, we're going to pop into some ghoulish, ghostly stuff real quick. I think it's best for you to cut the lights, put the kids to bed, lock your doors from both sides, the inside and the outside. It's very important. Give the dog and cats tranquilizers. Put the fish to sleep. You know, if there's any tarantulas, give them a good rub till they pass out. You don't want anybody but you listen to these things. It's so creepy. It can stop their heart on impact. And we do not want that here at Mostly Ghostly. Do we, Ray? I don't know. It's more mostly ghostly. We're making more, uh, you know, we're keeping it extra mostly in the ghostly realm. No, no, not, not, not the pets. They're innocent. It's the people that are, that are, are corrupt. All dogs go to heaven. They never said anything about cats, though. You got to be careful. It's an unfair shake. Because they, they they guard the gates and kick the dogs out. We're going to do an episode in the future on the cats because it's a... Uh, I just rewatched Sleepwalkers, the Stephen King McGarris film, and it's a good film. And... Uh, the whole cat and how they, you know, you know, the vibe of worshiping back in the Egyptian times and stuff like that did worship cats. And I'm very curious to see how far back the whole cat lore and cats being on a pedestal type thing. You know what I mean? Maybe cats don't have to worry about going to heaven because they 
they have their own deal. They transcend. They go somewhere else. You know. Could, could be, but there's a joke about that. Let's hear it. Yeah, cat and the dog dying. They go up to heaven. And they're over there. And God looks down at the dog and says, you know, you've been a good boy with your masters and, you know, they loved you and you've done everything. Said, Do you think you should you should be able to come in here? Do you think you've done well? The dog says yes, so God lets him in. Cat's here says, okay, you're the cat. You lived with the family and stuff. Do you think you should come? What do you think? Cat says, you're sitting on my throne. Yeah. Horrifying. It's true, though. That's a cat attitude. There's definitely a difference. You know what I mean? I've been cats. I've always cats are always the same deal. You know, they're 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 more independent. We can kind of leave them be more. They're less relying on you, but uh, they know it. So they act it. You know what I mean? Where dogs are kind of they rely. If you get the vibe more, they rely on you and they're, you know, in your good graces. If the dogs were to get like the cats, we could have a problem. Or if they teamed up right, we'd be in some real trouble. So, as we go, and as we proceed, first up, Union Cemetery in Easton. You know what I mean? CT. Union Cemetery, like most burial grounds, has its fair share of ghost stories. The most prominent one is probably the White Lady. You know, we hear a lot of what different White Ladies all over the place. I want to say there's a cemetery close to us. Um, that has a white lady, you know what I mean? They used to call cocaine the white lady, I believe, back in like the day, if they, as they say. Now, she has been reported by many witnesses, including members of the local police force and fire service. Those are the people to contact, you know. There have also been some photographs which claim to show her. I'd like to see, I wish they had some photographs for us to take a peek. Even famous paranormal investigators, Ed and Lorraine Warren, the Kings, claim to have seen the White Lady of Union Cemetery and have captured her on film. Uh, the Warren's house is in Connecticut as well, isn't it? Or am I, do I have that wrong? They Rhode Island. I think it's Connecticut. Okay, yeah, that sounds about right. Now, the apparition is described as a lady with long, dark hair dressed in a nightgown and matching bonnet. Uh, she is most often reported on Route 59, but has also been known to appear on Route 111. 111 seems like it's a supernatural number, Ray. What do you think? No? Uh, adds up to three. It does. Isn't 11 a heavenly number, supposedly, or something like that? Uh, 11's a good number, yes. Yeah. Anything come to mind when 59, the number 59? Oh, five and nine, fourteen. That goes up to back to five. No, that's a number five. That's another prime. That's, that's a good number. Nine. You get your nine in there too. It could be broken up a little bit. Uh, speaking of nine, nineteen ninety-three. You know, one motorist reported having actually collided with the white lady, leaving a dent in his car. Well, Ray, how do you? What? Why do you? That sounds like somebody was drinking and driving to me. I needed a good excuse. Have you ever known a ghost to leave a dent in a car? Maybe an imprint uh, or something, but an actual that 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 sounds a little weird. I've seen, I've looked on the web and I've seen uh, videos where people show the street and a car speeding down, and it looks like someone's crossing it, and the car goes right through them. Hmm. 
and then you see the car hit the brakes and the people get out like panicky and stuff. Yeah. But no one ever has a dent. No car ever shows any damage. They just go right through things usually. So that that's an unusual one that uh, it would have enough, generate enough energy and solidify that energy into mass to be able to dent a car. Yeah. It feels like somebody was trying to have, did something stupid and needed another, a better, a better excuse than what they were doing type deal. Yeah. Maybe somebody threw a rock and, uh, they thought they seen something out the corner of their eye and they put the two together and came out with the, the, that, uh, that situation. You know what I mean? That's possible as well. Wow. You know, it has been suggested that the white lady is actually a lady who was murdered in the 1940s. Although some say uh, that rather than being the murder victim, she is actually the murdered girl's mother. That's both of those would be very kind of very on point. I feel whether it's the person murdered or the mother, because it's quite, very quite possible. You know, the mother is probably definitely going to return to the scene of the crime uh, with heavy emotion. And it's quite possible that she was so overcome with emotion that she did something awful to herself at that place. And that, you know, so kind of those two things kind of make sense to me. What do you think? I think the apparition is, is probably real. They've seen it. Yeah. Uh, Who it is, whether the girl or the mother, I can, I can go with either one, a grieving mother that won't let go of a child. Yes. Hmm. Uh, the girl who was troubled and, and killed there, yeah. Um, something solid enough to dent a car? I don't know. Uh, you'd, you'd be talking something major demonic over there when it starts manifesting enough to physically move, dent, change, whatever. So, yeah. I don't know about that aspect of it. As for many cemeteries having stories of uh, a white lady, it's a common form of spirit. I mean, it's a cemetery in Rhode Island when I used to be about a quarter mile from where I lived. Yeah. That I used to go into, and even at night. I had a night where um, I went in there. I saw a white figure moving, and it was kind of flowing. looked a lot like a lady. Mm. And everywhere I'd go to where it was, because I was curious, it would be gone. I'd look somewhere else. And I'd have to go running over there. and it'd be, I spent probably a good half hour or so trying to run it down. I couldn't catch up to it. Hmm. just kept on floating away each time I got to where it was. But I've seen one. There are a lot of reliable people. You were talking about police and firemen. Why would they put their reputation on the line? Right. By saying they've seen it. So, yeah, I, I think that there is something there. I noted the Warrens. I'm not sure if it's that cemetery or another one, but I think it is that one is where they have their grave. Okay. Where they're buried. I'm very curious of how that played out when, once they became members of the of the ghostly world. Like, I wonder if they, if they had people out to get them or say entities out to get them. You know what I mean? I almost feel like they would, which is horrifying. Or do you think they'd be protected by some kind of light or something, like some type of positive, you know, glow of, of you know, heavenly being, if you will? They could have been protected. They could reincarnate, mm. finish whatever work that they were doing if they have to finish it. Yeah, there could have been something waiting, but uh, I really doubt if there'd be anything that's going to hang around just just for them, despite the career they had. You think somebody that was that good at what they did in that meet in like that field 
would be sent back because they were that good at it that they need them on Earth type deal. Like it's always a, it's always a possible it's always a possibility that uh, their work is unfinished and it can yeah. be in any any area, but yeah, it can be unfinished in that <clears> one that they come back. I mean, in the spiritual world, business is always unfinished until the ultimate end. I assume the end of end everything type deal, which uh, who knows if what that even is. In the spirit, is there an end to the spiritual world? I don't know. The way there's an end to life, you know what I mean? Is there like another, is there another plateau from another stepping off point from death? That'd be, that's an interesting discussion. Well, you have, you're starting to get into some complex. Would, would, there. I guess, you re, I guess reincarnation would be one of those deals. You know what I mean? Reincarnation would be one. You also have the idea that uh, spirits can help from the other side. Mm. Also, multi dimensions. Uh, we're in a lower dimension, and then you you go up to another one that's in a spirit. Then there's another one beyond that. Mm. So I almost vibe with that. Like almost like if death was almost like a burden because it is that you get you can get stuck in it. But if you were able to like progress past, you would get to like an actual almost heavenly place or something. Or you can go to the reincarnation deal but like you know what i mean almost like death is a death is the weird purgatory you know what i mean that's kind of an interesting deal reincarnation um there's two major groups i know of there's probably different reasons in different cultures but for reincarnation but the two that i know one is that you do have um unfinished business that could be correcting wrongs you did um correcting your karma you got to come back and fix things um you may choose to come back and that can be to help somebody mm. or do something so it's kind of like nope you didn't get it right go back and try again or it's like i think i want to go back because i want to help people yeah it's one of those two but either one you don't move on but you can choose to come back or you end up coming back because Oh, you got to go through it a few times until you learn what you have to learn and do what you have to do. Yeah. I'm with you, man. Back to that white lady deal. Do you think that they, uh, maybe a tra- like a trails off? You often hear that like ap- apparitions kind of fade at the bottom. Do you think that they just take the faded legs for a dress? They probably could. If you're talking certain- about. There's a spirit yeah. that presents from a certain time in history, let's say 1800s or something like that, where everybody always, whether it was formal, nightgown, whatever, all women had long flowing gowns. If you go back far enough, yeah, that would explain it. But otherwise, yeah, it, it could be, it's shadowy, the legs are moving, it's at night, people are panicking, they're seeing this figure, they can see that as a part of the flow. Yeah, I support that. Now, another entity uh, that is said to be haunt the Union Cemetery is known simply as Red Eyes. And I got a good idea why they call him Red Eyes, right? I bet you do too. Because uh, he's said to just a pair of glowing red eyes peering out of the bushes. You know, you hear stuff like that a lot with the eyes. And I remember when we went to that cemetery with Ray Arnold and his group, I want to say we got in the picture, like there was some weird, there was something that we almost seen some eyes somewhere, I felt. But What's up with the eyes? You think those could be portals? Um, yeah. Oh, it's something just manifesting that's watching from the other side. 
I always think of uh, Amityville Horror, the original, which is very scary for an older horror movie. And there's like the scene where uh, there's like red eyes in the basement. The, the movie does very basic scares, but they're like super effective. <laughs> That's why that movie's so great. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, now, witnesses who have seen this and turned to run away said they heard footsteps in pursuit, uh, but were too afraid to look back. It has been suggested that Red Eyes could be uh, the spirit of early Kellogg, a man set on fire in the street back in 1935. <clears throat> He's a modern day Freddy Krueger. You know what I mean? <clears throat> I don't know, man. That would do it. That would send some bad energy if you go out burning, I feel. You know what I mean? Especially if, uh, you know, people did it for you or something like that. Well, those red eyes could be coming back to look around and find the people who burnt them. Yikes. Anger. That's the anger, you know what I mean? The aura. Time for revenge. I would definitely say that would be an issue. Uh, I wonder how he burnt. Um, No fun either way. You know what I mean? So next up. Uh, we have Fairfield, Hill, Fairfield Hills State Hospital, Newton, Connecticut. Oh, yeah. One of Connecticut's most haunted places has to be Fairfield Hills uh, State Hospital, a place with a dark and ugly history. Most hospitals have some pretty dark and ugly histories, as we've discussed. Uh, we do have a great mental hospital episode i'd love to do someday soon with my me and my buddy i want to get my buddy on to do it and talk about it but we went into a haunted mental hospital as teenagers and by golly <clears throat> there's some crazy shtick up in that place you know what i mean like most hospitals uh of the time the way that the, pa- the patients were treated would today be considered barbaric and inhumane yeah i, I agree you know there's a there was a documentary out there called, um, oh man, like the Turncoat Follies, I think it might be called. Are you familiar with that name at all, Ray? No. no. All right. I could, it could be wrong, but it could, it, I could be wrong, but it could, uh, be a legitimate, that could be the name of it. If I remember, I'll try and bring it back. But I think the Turncoat Follies or something like that, it was a, uh, it was a mental, it was a documentary made about a Massachusetts, I believe, mental hospital. And it was in it, the footage. You can watch it. The only way you can see it nowadays is they, they, you can get your hands on it as like a documentary learning film on like what shouldn't happen. But there's like, there, it's like a docu, they stuck a camera into it like back in like the sixties or seventies. And like, it's just super hardcore. Like people are getting raped, people are getting beaten. Uh, there's people, there's like literally, there's like footage of like people getting beaten up on camera. There's, there's at least like five or six people, patients that they like interview and before the end of the documentary, they're dead. You know what I mean? Like they've died mysteriously. It was like a crazy, well, like interview them, but like they, you know, the doctor will talk to them and. Because they're all kind of messed up, you know what I mean? They're all kind. I guess I should. That's not a good way to say it. But they're all like have like a, like a really bad issue, where like you know they're spacey type. You know what I mean? Like I'm probably digging myself into a hole. But um, it, it, it's pretty rough. Uh, I think it's called the Turncoat Follies. I got. I'm surprised, and it's local too. So I thought you might have knew that one. But it's like some scary stuff but to go with that you know standard treatments included things like psychosurgery 
hydrotherapy, electric shock therapy, and of course, completely unauthorized full frontal lobotomies. All right. Psychosurgery, I guess what? That's on the head? Surgery on the brain? I think so. Probably like the, the barbaric, like, like stick needles probably back when they were doing that. Hydrotherapy, is that the water thing probably when they put them in the cold tanks? Yep, hydro's water. And then electroshock therapy, we all know what that is. And of course, completely unauthorized full frontal lobotomies. Yikes. Well, that's when they, they drill in, they cut it, your, your skull away and they scoop out or they, they just drill it and destroy it. You know, the actual technique for the lobotomy deal? Uh, you take the eye socket, they take the top of it where oh. it basically turns in. Yeah. Right, right underneath that, you take what looks like a long metal, not a pin, but uh, knitting needle type sort of thing. Yeah. They line it. They line it up because you want to get the frontal lobes. Yeah. Go up at an angle, and they t- they bang it so that it goes up there, and it takes out the frontal lobes of the brain, so those sections don't work. And basically, you're you're going around like a zombie after that. I wonder if it's one shot, one kill, or if it's something they do a couple pops into your head with. You know what I mean? That's <laughs> that's scary. That's horrible. Let's not think about that stuff. Uh, there were countless suicides, uh, suspicious deaths in the hospital, and tales of unnecessary unnecessary cruelty and abuse. Um, all of this is perfect recipe for some bad stuff, you know what I mean? It's common for the visitors to, uh, to the old hospital to hear disembodied voices, which I will say when we went to that mental hospital local to us, and we videotaped footage, one of the most convincing pieces of footage we have is like when we're leaving and we're passing by this like hole that goes into the basement and we didn't pick it up in our eardrums, but the camera picked up and you just hear something go, Oh, and it's like insanity, uh, screams and crying, no scream. Crying has got to be one of the worst. Like, like I, if I was in, I'm in the mental hospital, like I was, and if I heard screaming, I'd be a little less creeped out than if I heard crying. Crying would be too much, I think. Crying's one of the, it's contagious. It's contagious, Ray. If you had crying, you might have to start crying yourself, you know what I mean? You remember a sad movie, or sometimes somebody broke your heart. You have those memories, and it all comes back to you, you know what I mean? Uh, I assume, am I alone on that? Or do you feel that do you feel, do you feel crying's creepier than the scream? Or do you think the screams worse? I put them about the same. I'm with you. I mean, I don't want to hear either or for sure. Now, these are presumably the spirits of long dead patients, uh, reliving the agony of their so-called treatments, uh, that they had. But it, what, what is possibly one of the most haunted, abandoned mental hospitals in the entire U.S. Very interesting. There are also multiple reports of apparitions in white roaming the grounds, which are believed to be a mix of former staff and patients who are still bound to the hospital, even in death. Um, a lot of the white stuff, do you think that's just because ghosts are often like kind of faded? Do you think that's why they're seeing white? Or what do you think? there is to that uh it's probably the spectrum that they're, they're manifesting in a limited amount of energy so that that's what they see that's what that's the way we perceive it with our eyes would they play off of the light in a way you think 
Um, I don't think they need it. I mean, uh, one, things I've seen, I've seen things in areas where there are no light. Yeah. So it's, it'd be kind of difficult to say yes. Now, the thing they said was interesting about uh, still bound to the hospital, which brought me right back to like episode number two of Mostly Ghostly Ever, where we were talking about that rental space, which we got around two to that episode coming soon, ladies and gentlemen. But we were talking about how there was a guy that knew what happened there. And like he almost like he he killed himself elsewhere. But then people seen him at this place. And we talked about how it is possible for if there's so much, if there's a real bad negative energy sucking people in and that, you know, you spend time there and maybe you get a little bad in you or whatever that when you go, which I assume it probably helped with putting him in the place where he said adios amigo. But, uh, yeah. So like that popped in my head when I heard that because I definitely remember. And I was creeped out when I learned that in that episode, that thing that you could be pulled back to places. You know what I mean? Well, there's a major trauma. You make an energy connection. And what happens when you die with some people, not everybody is that they're drawn. That energy draws them back. That trauma brings them back to the place of the trauma. And that's where they're, they're trapped. That's what they have to face in spirit and get over to continue going. Hmm. Well, I think we're going to put the safety on that pistol for a second because we're heading over to Remington Arms in Bridgeport, Connecticut, Ray. Uh, Remington Arms in Bridgeport, Connecticut first opened in 1867 as the Union Metallic Cartridge Company, but was brought by, uh, bought by Remington Arms in 1915 and was expanded into 73 acre manufacturing plant during the early 20th century. Remington Arms was one of America's biggest uh, munitions companies, employing over 15,000 people and producing tons of ammunition er year, er, er year. Know what I mean? That's uh, with, 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 when you make an item, and I'm not a, I'm, I'm not against guns or hunting. But like when you make a gun that when you make an item that is being made to end something else's life, do you think an, uh, a negative thing comes with that at all? Uh, no, not necessarily. Okay. Like many factories, Remington Arms has seen its fair share of accidents. You know what I mean? You got all types of stuff. You got people that probably have shot the place up. People are getting injured, all types of crazy stuff. Many of them fatal, of course. A few of the deaths on the premises included two employees who fell into a giant bat of uh, molten metal and several more in an explosion in 1942. Uh, they must they must be fans of Terminator 2, the film, to want to go out in molten metal like that. What do you think, Ray? Uh, ouch. I have high hopes, you know... For anybody that ever took a really hot shower and you feel like refreshed after it, I can, we can only hope. You know what I mean? You can only hope. Uh, the explosion occurred at the height of wartime efforts. So they were probably overworked and weren't like letting machines cool and shit. They were just pumping out ammunition, ammunition, ammunition. Uh, but. Right, right on the production floor. Bada boom, bada boom. Seven employees died and around 80 others suffered injuries. It is believed that the shadowy figures that are frequently seen in the factory floor could be the spirits of those who perished in the explosion. I agree with that. 
Ray, what do you think? Oh, 100%, yeah. You know, you got seven employees died. They were not typically meant to go that day. They were very probably happy to be alive individuals up until that, you know, probably even after the fact. But um, when, when, when it just took it away like that, bada boom, bada bing, who's to say if it was quick, it could have been torture. You know what I mean? And then you get those 80 other people suffered injuries. This is a time they'd call an injury, you know, only having one arm missing two legs in the other arm. That's an injury, you know what I mean? They go. So it's, there's a very, it could be anywhere from like a broken finger to, you know, you from the torso down is in a sandwich bag or something like that, you know what I mean? So you really can't, you really can't judge. But, he, you know, there's some trauma. Even we'll say some minds, some personalities were killed that day, even if the actual body wasn't, you know what I mean? People stopped joking that day. That day got a little less funny, they say. Um, that'll definitely do it. You know, in all the 80s, other the injuries, like we said, it could have been anything. But even the, the madness of the scene, somebody laying broken on the floor, bleeding out, crying for their life is definitely, even if they live, is definitely going to add more bad energy to that situation in that place, right? Oh, yeah, that pain and that energy left behind there, it's going to leave an imprint. Yeah, like, even if they live, though, too, or, like, even if they live, the, the, that stuff's still there. You left it on the, it's like you left it on the field, you know what I mean? It's still there. Yep. All right. Next up, we got Dudleytown in Cornwall, Connecticut. One of the main reasons Dudleytown is said to be one of the most haunted places in Connecticut is that it's allegedly subject to a powerful curse. We don't like curses around her. All people by the name of Dudley are said to trace their family line all the way back to the Saxon by the name of Dud, who was the Duke of Mercia and died in the early half of 700 AD. Very interesting. Cursed names. When I hear this, it reminds me of the Married with Children episode when the Bundy name was cursed. Now, it is upon the land that Dudley Castle was eventually built. The alleged curse's origin goes back to England circa 1510 when Edmund Dudley was beheaded after making plans to overthrow King Henry, which, you know, that's not a people don't like when you do that. At that time, it is said uh, that the curse was placed on all Dudley family members, both present and future, that all of his lineage would be surrounded by untold horrors. You know, we talk about curses on the show before, and it's always scary that, you know, somebody could just be walking around angrily at the world throwing curses for no reason. And, like, they do stick. It does bring a, a bad vibe around, you know what I mean, which is super unfortunate. Um, but it's kind of crazy that the whole bloodline, you know what I mean? Have you heard Have you heard anything of this in, like, your time? Like, I know that there's a lot of this stuff, bloodline-y stuff back in Kings and Queens eras, uh, cursing them out. But in your travels, have you ever dealt with a bloodline that was cursed, so to speak? Uh, no. Yeah. Me I, I, haven't, I haven't run into that. It reminds me of that book that I always talk about that I own that I haven't read yet, about, which was a Massachusetts story about the father that, like, gave his kid to the devil. Terrible stuff. Fast forward a few hundred years and members of the Dudley family came to settle in Cornwall, Connecticut. Having immigrated from England, the area was dubbed Dudley Town. 
Ever since the area has been plagued by tales of the paranormal, it has been claimed that several residents of Dudley Town saw demons and ended up going insane and committing suicide, although this has largely been debunked. Oh, so, all right, forget about it. Seeing demons, I, we, were, we were getting juicy here. So seeing some demons ended up going insane and committing suicide. It's like playing out like a movie. Maybe it happened and they just don't like talking about it. That could be possible too. You know what I mean? Oh, they do that. They do that all the time. They want to hide it. They they uh, so called debunk it. Yeah. Uh, there's plenty of strange things going on over there. Hikers and other visitors to the area, including demonologists Ed and Lorraine Warren, you know what I mean, have captured unexplained events, including strange orbs of light. Uh, it is also tranquil, and there is no wildlife at all in the area. Hmm. It's kind of an interesting thing when you have like a big thing of land and there's uh, no animal life chilling there because the animals would know, you know what I mean? They get the vibe too. Well, they they would pick up on it. Uh, they'd get the energy, like you said, the vibe over there. Also, whenever there's any predators around, animals always go quiet. Yeah. So if there's no animals around there and no noise around there, there's something in there that's scaring them away. It's crazy. Yeah, I mean, creepy is going to be creepy no matter what you are. Uh, 1754 House Inn in Woodbury, Connecticut, formerly known as the Curtis House Restaurant and Inn. The 1754 House Inn in Woodbury is consistently ranked as one of the country's most haunted inns. Considering it's the oldest inn in Connecticut, you'd expect something like that. You know what I mean, Ray? Now, there are countless spirits said to haunt the building, some dating back over 200 years if you chose to stay in any of those rooms, there's a possibility you could come face to face with a male entity described as wearing 17th to 18th century clothing. If you're in the liquor room, I bet there's a lot of activity over there. You know what I mean? You might also see the spirit of a Confederate soldier just going with some liquor. Uh, he's in pain. He needs liqueur. A female ghost is also known to disturb guests in the dead of night. And the ghost of a former worker, Joseph Hardesty, as well as spirits being seen all over the inn. You'll likely hear a lot of strange sounds, too. Disembodied voices and footsteps are a common occurrence there. The constant feeling of someone in the room with you has also been reported. You know, y'all, that's all, that's very common. I've even gotten, gotten the vibe myself a few times, you know. And an inexplicably heavy feeling is common. On an episode of Gordon Ramsay's Hotel, uh, you know, under its former name, the Curtis House, he told of several strange things during his stay. In one particular instance, he described an uncontrollable fear of something at his door stopping him from leaving. Yeah, and I think everybody has probably gotten that vibe, you know, where, you know, they get a weird deal. And, you know, you ever get that, you ever be in a room? And feel like there was something on the other side of the door. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, I think that goes hand in hand, too. That's right up there. So that's a very, you know, you know, there's, it's got some history to it. It works. It's one of those deals. And it's ancient, too. So, uh, big contender. Next up, we got Yankee Pedlar Inn in Torrington, Connecticut, opening in 1891 and originally named the Conley Inn. The building was one of the region's finest. Over several decades, there has been an ever-growing haunted reputation that the Yankee Pedlar Inn couldn't shake 
no matter how much they shook, 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 people keep talking about the hauntings, you know. And there's been been sightings of mysterious figures lurking in rooms and disembodied voices, you know, which is very huge. You know, they're attempting to communicate with guests. They're just trying to have fun. Maybe they're on vacation, too. Nobody ever considers these things. What do you think about these hotels and stuff just really being so close to portals that spirits are able to dip out and have vacation and then dip back into the portal? And that's the reality. I think also, if you're, if you're talking about these hotels, particularly these old inns that's been around for a long while. Yeah. Um, a lot has occurred, good and bad, over the years. Some people probably uh, have passed away there. Mm-hmm. They've died. I um, mean, if you're going to something that's been open long enough, uh, back through the 1800s and stuff, where medicine wasn't <laughs> as good, that you didn't call 911 and have an ambulance pick you up, there's all sorts of things. Yeah. Um, there could be robberies, there could be murders, there could be natural death, there could be uh, divorces, uh, affairs. I mean, it's a loaded, loaded with energy yeah. and a history. And at just some point, that history is going to come spilling back out. True. You know, one of the, mel- the most well-known of the hotels is supposedly the original owner, Alice Conley, uh, rumored to have died in room 353, and she still checks on her beloved hotel. Her ghost is known to wander around the hotel, uh, though she is particularly active in 353. A-, a female apparition has been seen in this room, and unexpl- unexplainable smells are often reported there. You know, usually it's usually a decent smell of flowers and perfume, but we've had ones where it was bad news, you know, rotten, rotten flesh smell and stuff, which those are the ones that I always think are the the more interesting ones. You know what I mean? But, you know, something's up when you smell that. There's also a rocking chair of Alice's located in the hotel lobby, which I assume if that's someplace she liked to hang out and chill in a rocking chair, then there it is right there. There's there, there's the culprit to the whole the reason for it. Uh, there's a sign that warn, warns guests not to sit on it, and it's been witnessed rocking on its own uh, volition many times. You know, I'd, I'd say that's probably pretty safe to say. You know, we got some more state hospital goodness for folks out there up in Nor- Norwich State Hospital in Preston, Connecticut. You know, uh, this one, this time is the Norwich State Hospital in Preston. The hospital first opened its doors back in 1904, taking in 95 patients. It's pretty lot. It's a lot of patients, I'd say, for a hospital back then, but you know what I mean? Over time, it was expanded and ended up with 20 buildings and some 2,000 patients. I spoke too soon. They had dreams and goals, and they reached them. The majority of patients were mentally ill, but those with tuberculosis or chemical dependencies were also admitted. So you've got mentally ill people, people dying of tuberculosis, which is when your lungs fill up with fluid until you drown. And then they had chemical dependency, which is, I'm assuming, alcoholics and drug addicts and such. Yeah. It's kind of crazy to throw all them together. Kind of dangerous. I can only imagine. I can only imagine some of the violence and insanity that's kind of happened when you throw. You know what I mean? It's bad enough. Like if you break three of those tuberculosis people, they just want to be comfortable before they go. You know what I mean? But chemical dependency people are going to be. They're going to be fucking tough to handle, I can imagine. Same thing like the mentally ill people. Uh, it goes hand in hand. There's actually a thin line right there, you know what I mean? 
that's the day I feel bad for the TB people. And the TB people were contagious too, weren't they? Yeah. So yeah, they must have been cut off. Yeah, we'll see. Maybe it was nice. Maybe they did the, did what they were supposed to do. Um, now, the first recorded death occurred the same year that the hospital opened when one of the patients committed suicide by hanging himself. Uh, two, that sounds to me like someone who isn't crazy that they were making live the crazy life. That's almost kind of how that vibes. Not, the, could, best, not the best start I've ever heard of. No, no. Some people break champagne bottles and some people, you know. Uh, two employees also lost their lives in a hot water explosion in 1919. Yikes. Uh, there have been multiple deaths in the building since then, many by way of suicide, sadly. The hospital closed for, fi- for the final time in 1996. It attempts to sell the property. have been f- a failure ever since. Yeah, I mean... There's a lot going on. There's a lot to unpack there. I think anybody that kind of, even people that really don't believe in the paranormal, I think would even be stay away from something like that. You know what I mean? Because they, even if they don't believe in ghosts and spirits, I think they could believe in the the vibes. You know what I mean? Like the energy, the aura left type deal. What do you think? I agree. You just take the tuberculosis alone, which was always fatal back then. Yeah. Um, you've got a hospital full of people that are just going in there to die a very painful death. And they weren't always, from the history of a lot of those places, they weren't treated very well. Mm. They weren't kept clean or fed that well. And so it was just a place to drop them off and let them die. And then you start adding in uh, the other people and their problems. You've got one really, really negative, messed up place. And that energy is not going to go away on its own. And the most a- active spot there is the Salmon Building, which housed criminally insane patients. That That's combining the other two to make the hybrid, you know what I mean? Uh, it's like uh, the insane and the and, and the, 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 the drug, drug, drug and alcohol folks got together and had a baby type deal, you know what I mean? Scary. Um, but, you know, effectively, this was a prison. Uh, it had steel doors and bars with rooms that were to all intents and purposes cells. Uh, it is not an, at all unusual to hear disembodied screaming coming from the salmon building. I agree, especially if you got, you're mixing up a whole bunch of people with different issues that are definitely need to be addressed, you know, and they're not going to address them with each other. There's no group chat. I assume, you know what I mean? Many of the patients were tortured and abused in the hospital. Just some of the barbaric practices that patients would have to be subject to include starvation. There's like, no, like, I I don't even know why like starvation is just cruelty. Like there's really not even like, uh, you know, some of their tests they try and do on people, you know, is almost like, like attempting to go into the brain and and and, and fix it that way. You know, it, it makes sense on paper, and then of course you see the damage done. Of but like starving somebody, I don't understand because you you if you don't eat, you you eventually you lose your mind. You know what I mean? Like you don't eat you, you, for a while, you'll start to you'll be hearing things. You know what I mean? Um, packing them in ice, which you've seen in every horror movie about a mental hospital. Uh, which is very crazy. I was watching a video recently of a dude that's learned to 
he chills, he, he gets, he gets, he, he calms down and evens out when he gets into a big thing of ice and, uh, it helps him out. Now, beating them, of course, you know, to take the old, uh, the old, old parental, uh, the old beating deal, you know what I mean? And all types of bad stuff. Uh, this place is truly terrifying, and paranormal investigators have documented hundreds of unexplained evidence, including hearing a woman sobbing, residual sounds of operating rooms such as beeping equipment and rattling tools. Those are things you don't really hear that much about, but you would assume, you know what I mean? Woman crying, sobbing, yeah, 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 for sure. That's definitely there. I'm like, yeah, 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 and it brushing off, but that's something you're definitely going to hear um, in there. But you don't hear the tool stuff. You don't hear too often rattling of tools or the beep, beeping of equipment, which, because usually it's living things that you're kind of, things that once had a soul, you know what I mean? Once, but what do you, what's your take on rattling tools and the beeping equipment? Uh, that's more like an imprint, mm. an energetic imprint that's kind of repeating what went on. And it, it can do it in images and it can do it in sounds as well. Yeah. Yeah, they all got cold spots. Many people have heard doors slam and seen children running around, which is sad, you know. Sterling Opera House for anybody. Everybody get their lungs ready because we're about to belt one out. Built in 1889 and serving as a multitude of purposes over the years, the Sterling Opera House was the first building added to the National Register of Historic Places back in November of 1968. Back in its heyday, it welcomed world-class performers, including Harry Houdini, who we featured uh, not as a guest, but as a subject on the Mostly Ghostly Show, and Red Skeleton, hell yeah, uh, and did so until it closed its door in 1945. Since then, the building uh, has sat empty and tragically decaying. Um, Red Skeleton, I was thinking of... um, was it Red Green? You ever, he was like on Rhode Island Public Access. You ever seen him? No. He I've was seen like, Red Skeleton. <laughs> Red Skeleton goes back a bit. Yeah. There was a dude that was on local like public access, or maybe it was Canada. His name was like Red Green or something, and he was kind of like a uh, farmer dude, but he would like, he had this thing that was like, I'm a man. I'm sorry. It was a funny show. Let me get into our show. Now, the paranormal reputation has been growing for decades. In 2011, the Opera House was the center of an investigation on TV's Ghost Hunters. We've all heard of that show. Now, although there has been no stories of deaths occurring at the Sterling, the spirit of its namesake, Charles Sterling, is said to be lurking there. There's also believed to be the spirit of the boy, a boy called Andy, hanging around the balcony seats playing with a soccer ball. That's kind of interesting. You know, the Charles Sterling, you assume if, if it was his pride and joy, his name's on it. You know, I'm sure he took a lot of pride in it. I feel like then his his pull would that would pull him back that love for it. Uh, what's your what's your take about a boy with a, on a balcony uh, playing with a soccer ball? That's kind of pretty on point. You know what I mean? The soccer ball part, especially. I'd say maybe he uh, spent a lot of time around the theater. Maybe he used to, I don't know, play outside in the alley or around it. Mm. But maybe maybe uh, a child or one of the people who worked there could have could have act- actually died there, and that's where his attachment is. 
I had a I had a vision, I had a feeling in me of uh, him in him in the alley playing with a soccer ball and getting hit, and then him them bring him inside so he wasn't outside like to die. You know, like they didn't bring him in and do anything bad to him in there, but I think they might have brought him in, and he just happened to pass away there type deal. Yeah. Um, and that's why he's still in a friendly state of playing because it was kind of reassuring to have people try and help him before he died. Maybe, you know what I mean? All right. Now, next up on our, our role, Guntown Cemetery in Nagatuck, Connecticut. Um, Guntown Cemetery is a small, unsuspecting cemetery established in 1790. Although no urban myths and famous legends are surrounding this graveyard, there are countless claims of paranormal activity. Uh, people have often cited the shadow figure of a small boy playing near the old wall at the entrance. I wonder if it's a dude with the soccer ball. The apparition is a man carrying a lantern and leading a horse. Uh, has been walking across the grounds, and people often hear small children laughing. Very creepy stuff with the children laughing. Uh, the man carrying a lantern with the horse, we've heard about that many a times, but I almost feel like that's symbolic for something, you know what I mean? What, what's your take on on, on the, the man with the, can- the lantern leading the horse? Well, if it's not an imprint, then it's a time slip mm. where, you're, where you're looking into when someone did that. You think that like back in the day when people would lead horses and maybe their family in the buggies that in their heart and soul, they just, they kept themselves going by don't stop, don't stop, don't stop to the point that when they died, they even in the, the ghostly world, it was don't stop, don't stop, don't stop. And that's why they're kind of, you still see stuff like that? I think so. If that was their primary energy, if that's, if they were, that was their attachment, so to speak. Then yeah, they would, con- they would continue on even after, mm. they- and they would be doing the same thing. They just became so, so attached to doing it. It became so important that they can't even give it up, not even in death. Because I assume there's a lot of conversations with God. Just let me get to the next town with my family. You know what I mean? I lo- there's probably a lot of that. So you know, I could imagine. Um, now, now, having been investigated by Connecticut's demonologist Ed and Lorraine Warren, world famous, and deemed an officially haunted location, the cemetery has been a popular spot with paranormal investigators. Many have captured strong EVPs, electronic voice phenomena, and caught the orbs in, a, in pictures and with the naked eye. Ooh, naked eye. Next up, we have... Devil's Hop Yard in East Haddam, Connecticut. As with many of Connecticut's state parks, Hop Yard is known for its intense natural beauty. Uh, Connecticut is a very beautiful woodsy area, if I remember correctly from my times there. And one of the main draws to the park is Chapman Falls, a 60-foot uh, cascade of water over rock ledges. It's here where a legend uh, says Satan himself used to hang out interesting right i didn't know satan hung out on earth in the physical maybe in the spiritual um he well i guess realistically fell to earth right that's how this i believe that's how the story goes he was cast out of heaven and fell to earth um but he used to hang out there sitting at the very top of the falls on a huge boulder playing a fiddle uh whilst his followers mixed evil brews in the cauldron like potholes in the rocks below 
So, Ray, what's your take on Satan himself hanging out at the falls, playing the fiddle while his people be mixing up some brews, bro? You know what I mean? What, what do you what? That's very, um, very festive, Satan. You know what I mean? <laughs> that sounds like summer <laughs> ale, yeah. Satan. Yeah. Sounds like, sounds like a minor demon just doing some nasty work, keeping people corrupt. Summer ale, Satan should almost be the name of the episode, but we ain't going to go there. Uh, Native Americans were also believed to have conducted rituals here. Maybe the, 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 maybe the land had something to the land. Uh, fueling the lore surrounding the place. Over the decades, dark shadows and phantoms have been report, uh, purportedly seen moving around the woodland. In more recent times, people have allegedly experienced spirit orbs and mists and, and strong feelings of foreboding. You know what I mean? Which is just that pit in your stomach where you feel like nothing good, ain't nothing good, get out of there. Now, others have heard demonic voices and inexplic- inexplicable laughing. EVTs have also been supposedly recorded. Hmm. People visiting Chapman Falls area have often reported seeing dark figures roaming around the woodland, orbs, strange lights, and an overwhelming sense of fear. Yeah, fear is pretty heavy, you know what I mean? And a lot of the things feed off fear and its energy, and if they can get you, whoo, get your energy going, whoo, then they like that, you know what I mean? All right, we're going to wrap up with this one. We're getting to that ghostly hour. Uh, Snedeker House, a.k.a. the house from The Haunting in Connecticut. Um, for anybody who's seen that flick, um, it's a book as well, if I remember correctly. Now, it started back in 1986 when the Snedeker family moved to the small town of Southington, Connecticut, and into the unassuming house that would later spawn numerous TV documentaries, books and a major Hollywood movie. I remember killingly Connecticut fondly. No ghost that I know of. Crazy factory that you drive by. That probably is haunted. Now having fallen into money troubles after their eldest son was diagnosed with Hodgkin's lymphoma, uh, the family jumped at the chance to rent the home that's located near the hospital where he was receiving his treatment. It was shortly after moving in that Al, the father, shockingly came across a number of embalming tools and tables in the basement. It turned out the home had been used as a funeral home for a number of years. Um, I'm very, you know, do you think a funeral home would be haunted? Because the, I know the body, the people don't pass there, but. I guess the soul, if a soul was to wander looking for its body, I, that's the only way I would assume that it would be haunted. Or I guess if they like beat up the bodies or whatever, you know what I mean? Like it weren't respectful to the bodies, then I can see maybe them coming around. But what do you, what do you, why do you think, uh, is it, is it as simple? Do you think it's just the fact that they want to see their body or do you think that it's something else? Well, also, if you take a look, if some of them were, let's say funeral homes and you go far enough back mm. uh, the procedures and everything that they did in them much more of it was not regulated now as it is now much cruder um, who knows what went on in there yeah uh, they uh, the other thing is that if you go 
back far enough that the way they determine death is, you know, well, is he breathing? I don't know. A uh, person could be in a coma. They'd say he's dead, bring him to the funeral home, prep him. Yeah. He was ended up suffering and dying there, if they even did anything to him. But if they did, that could have been what killed him. That's a good point, actually. You're right about that. You know, they, they uh, might have, yeah. <laughs> they might have. Had, I was kind of stupid to think, or not stupid, but I was naive to think that nobody nobody died there. You know what I mean? It's very possible. But it's kind of like, yeah, they didn't have the technology they use now to, you know, they don't hook the heart up and they don't hook the brain up and they don't have the electronics and stuff. It was kind of like, I don't feel a pulse or he doesn't seem to be breathing. He's dead. You know, let's go uh, put him in a box and plant him. I mean, that that's where, you know, uh, if you go back with so bad in medieval times, and it actually continued for a while afterwards, is that they used to dig a little hole and they had a string that came up and there was a bell on it. And that was because this was before embalming. They would put someone in the coffin, but they would leave a little hole there and put the string through it and run it up. And if you were rich enough, you could have, they, they would, rich people would pay someone to stay there for a while. But that was if you were buried alive, you would ring the bell. Hmm. You pull on a, you, you pull on a chain or a rope and it would ring the bell. And that is where the, uh, saying for whom the bell tolls came from. Really? Yep. So they, it would be through the ground or it would be in the funeral home? Uh, th- this would be in the, uh, in the graveyard. So oh. they were so, so concerned at one time that they were actually getting buried alive. <laughs> yeah. I don't blame uh, them, actually. <laughs> you, you, you go back to the <laughs> 1800s and it's kind of like, okay, uh, like I said, you, he doesn't look like he's alive. Let's just put him in a box and plant him. He could have died sitting in the uh, in the funeral home. Yikes! Yeah, I guess Suff- so. Suffocated in a the box there while they were waiting to bury him. Suffocation, no breathing. This is your last resort. Now, Carmen, the mother, began experiencing small things at first: items going missing and strange sounds. I wish I knew what strange sounds were, other than just crying and screaming we've been we've been dealt today um however shortly after activity became more intense the children started seeing strangers walking around their house that's heavy duty sounds are one thing but you see things walking around it's a whole different story now the eldest son who was at the time going through uh, chemotherapy treatment began to experience severe personality changes. Yeah, they dive into that in the movie, which is interesting. Good stuff. Um, yeah, you know, being going through chemo, some people would say that, like, you're kind of close to, uh, you know, something. You know, like you're, uh, like you're, you're almost open to, you know, like I, me and Ray have both had situations where we've almost died. And, I, and we, we, we vibe with the fact that if you get close to death, you get a little more open to it. And, and, and you know, there's uh, something that comes with it, I think. You know what I mean? But, uh, yeah, I remember the deal with that. You know, somebody going through chemo, well, what, what what's your take on them in the spiritual world? Do you think that because the opportunity of them being there soon possibly is so strong that, you know, almost insomniac, like where like the walls come down. 
You know, I know you said you when you worked in like hospice, I believe you said something about how like you would feel like um, them almost having family come see them before they pass type stuff. And I equate that to just being so close to passing yourself that like the veils pulled back, so to speak, where it's almost like you're in the in between of like re like living and death, so to speak. So like you can almost see like third eye type stuff. You know what I mean? Like you're getting so close to it that like you're almost there, so to speak. You know what I mean? What's your take? Well, if you're doing the, if you're doing the chemo, you've got something serious to begin with. Right. So you've probably been contemplating your death. The chemo is making you feel sick. Mm. Uh, your emotions are running crazy. You're trying to uh, focus on anything positive except for what may be coming up. That is with most people, and that's a very a lot of emotional energy released there, and. If the body is going down, it is distinctly possible that there are those in spirit, mm. if they sense that uh, a loved one is ready to pass or is getting weak, they may come. They may come to visit, come to help, help them. Yeah, I think I, I believe what I get. What, I get down with that. Uh, during one intense episode, he attacked his cousin with the intent to rape her. Yikes. Uh, the family had him arrested and hospitalized. That wasn't in the movie. Uh, where he was later diagnosed as schizophrenic. He started to get better, but deteriorated again when he returned home. Yeah, I mean, if you're going back to the source of the energy, you know, you get away from it, then you come back, and it kind of, it's almost like it kind of picked him in a way or, like, latched onto him. But I feel like it would... A spare would probably want to latch. I don't know. I mean, you'd almost think that it would want to latch onto somebody kind of healthier to kind of get their energy because he already doesn't have the energy, but maybe it was evil intent and was hoping to kill him. You know what I mean? Well, being in a weakened state, it makes him an easier target for evil to take over. Yeah. Very crazy stuff. Yeah, so that's crazy. So he comes back. Now, paranormal activity continued to occur. And with the family becoming increasingly terrified, they reached out to paranormal investigators. Who? The goats, Ed and Lorraine Warren, to help clear the house. And uh, I assume the house was cleared. At least that's how the movie ends. But <laughs> we don't know how real life goes. I assume it was pretty good. They had a good track record of getting things out, exercising, you know what I mean? So, yeah. What did you think about, did you did you realize Connecticut had so many uh, major hauntings up in here? I think we had 11. Uh, I'm, should... not, I'm not surprised. I would be surprised there were others that did make that list. You're talking I about like, yeah. old New England. There's a lot of crap went down in old New England for a lot of years. Mm -hmm. It start, started to get settled in the 1600s, uh, even some rare ones earlier than that, but mostly in the 1600s and a lot of history. Yeah, places like that that went through a lot, whether it's Revolutionary War, Indian Wars, um, witch trials. You start piling stuff on, yeah, there's, there's going to be activity around here. There's a few more haunted places in Connecticut that did make that list. Yeah, I, yeah, I'm with you. I, I, I bet there's a lot more. 
you know, these are some of the bigger ones. Um, well, maybe we'll do a volume two one of these days and dive deep. So, you know what I mean? But, uh, this was a good spooky time, Ray. What do you think? You going to Connecticut anytime soon? Uh, I think, I think I'll, let's see. No, I'll take the roundabout way. I won't go through Connecticut. I will just <laughs> helicopter around. Yeah. That's how we do it anyways. I'll drive around it. I won't drive through it. Did you have any favorite haunts from this episode? Uh, a favorite of mine is just like when I was a kid is the cemeteries. I agree with you. For the same reason, I'd say the mental hospital ones. The mental hospital ones always get me. And uh, the Remington one was interesting. You know, the bullet factory where they made the ammunition. Because there is like an interesting discussion to have there of whether or not because let's be honest like uh yeah but people like to shoot targets of course but people also like to shoot you know animals and people sometimes so like a good chunk a good chunk of those bullets are being made to kill things so with that being said again i I, i'm not against pistolas and guns i think i think as long as you're safe you should have one you know what i mean i support it you know and even hunting you know hunting is one of them things you know, people like to eat the meat, but they don't like to kill. Or I understand, but uh, I do have. I do feel like there's almost a little bit of a weird vibe with an item that's made to end life. And I almost feel like that it would. It could almost be. And I know that it's just materials. You know what I mean? It's just some, you know, some copper and whatever, some gunpowders and lead. You know, and but. I don't know. I almost feel like there could be a little something up to something being made. And I'm not saying it shouldn't be made. I support, like I said, but I just feel like there, there could possibly be something, up, something up with an item used to kind of take life. You know what I mean? You'd say the same thing about, I guess, you know, anything, I guess a knife or whatever, but I don't know. I don't know. And I know, I know you, I know you're, I know you're, you're not, you, you know, I know your opinion on the uh, the deal where it's kind of, it you don't think that, you don't think that the, the bullet would have anything with it, but I don't know. It's interesting. It's an interesting thing. We don't have enough time to go into it, but it is definitely an interesting take for sure. If whether or not a bullet has some bad karma attached to it already, knowing that there's little piece. Is going to be taking out some life, you know? But then again, at the same way, does that make every McDonald's cursed? Every McDonald's that you walk in, that's a death factory, kind of. The food they're making is going out to kind of put the hurting on some people more than just their colons, you know what I mean? So, uh, you know, that's how it is, unfortunately. But, Wack Arnold's, we support, we're talking about Wack Arnold's up in here. Um, but cool. You want any, you want to say anything in closing about Connecticut hauntings, right? Uh, no. All I'd say is that Connecticut Connecticut overall is a good state to be haunted in. Yes, very beautiful state. I like it. Whenever I'm in there, oh, yeah. I always enjoy it. Very beautiful state. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. Well, I think that's a wrap. That was a, another glorious episode of the ghostly of mostly, mostly ghostly. We want to thank everybody for uh, for tuning in and listening to us this week. Um, yeah, you know, if you're looking for something to do, take a little vacation on out to 
Connecticut, you know, go, go in there for the weekend, kind of get a hotel, cruise around a little hot spots. If you like that type of deal, a uh, very beautiful state, like I said, and Ray was saying, and yeah, nice little spot and uh, let our episodes guide you to the ghost land. You know what I mean? So if you enjoyed this episode, by all means, go listen to more episodes wherever you listen to podcasts. And uh, if anybody's looking to support, we do have a Patreon page at Boombastic Streaming. Support is always lovable, but we love you anyways, no matter what. And uh, we'll catch you all on the next episode of Mostly Ghostly. This show is a part of the Boombastic Media Network. If you enjoyed it, check out other episodes wherever you listen to podcasts. If you'd like to watch and support the cause a little deeper, check out our Patreon page at Boombastic Streaming. That's Boombastic with two O's at Patreon.com for uncut videos of past and present from podcasts as well as early access and all types of Boombastic goodies. Our podcasts and films all in one place. Plug in. We appreciate you and your support.